holding the powerful accountable from Washington, D.C. to right here in Southern New England. This is 10 News Conference with Gene Valicenti. And good morning, everyone. I'm Gene Valicenti. This is 10 News Conference leading up to Tuesday's Rhode Island primary. Joining me this morning, the Mix It Up, NBC 10 political reporter Brian Crandall and political analyst Wendy Schiller. Thanks to both of you for coming in. Thanks, Let's Gene. get right to it. I did the debate uh, about a week and a half ago, and uh, I knew that they were all going to go after Governor McKee, and they did. Here's a quick clip. This is uh, Matt Brown mixing it up. Now, he went scorched earth. I mean, he's, he's low on the polls. He had nothing to lose. He went at it. Let's play it, and we'll talk about it. The governor tried to laugh off this uh, discussion about the FBI investigation. I think it's the main issue of the night. The people of the state need to know, if you are indicted, will you resign? Oh, this, how ridiculous can you be, Gene? I mean, look, it's a rough game, Governor. It's a rough game. You've got to laugh sometimes, right? And, and the attacks are just outrageous. Every decision I've made has been in the best interest of the people in the state of Rhode Island. Well, if you want to fact check it, he is under FBI investigation. He's got a cloud over his head as he goes into the primary. Does it hurt him or not? Wendy, your quick take. Well, I think that every, uh, uh, you know, uh, insult or every accusation lodged against the incumbent always chips away uh, at somebody who I think people think has done an okay job, but there's not a lot of enthusiasm for him. So there's room to make, uh, to make some headway, but it's not headway for Matt Brown because he's so low in the polls. I mean, I don't think it's headway for him, but it does give an opening for some of his stronger challengers, Nelly Gorbea or Helena Folks. Yeah, well, um, I certainly think if one of them wins, they should send a thank you to Matt Brown for, for that, because as Wendy said, I, they have a better chance of yeah. winning. And he was basically pivoting multiple questions, not anything about that, back to the ILO investigation. I think your first question was on roads and bridges, and within 15 seconds he was on the ILO investigation. So certainly he had a strategy yeah. to go in that direction. And as Wendy said, you know, is that going to have any traction? Well, You've got the ILO investigation. There was the, the bonus payouts to state workers. There's now the Tidewater Landing Soccer Stadium yeah. deal. And, and did the governor and his team give everybody the information uh, to make a complete decision on that? And, you know, obviously yeah. we still tainted by 38 studios. So does that all then add up? He's the one with the record in office. So the criticism was mostly directed at him. Uh, by the way, the governor said, Matt Brown, I'll give you my address. You can send me an apology note. And just write state house. I'll get it. So I, I think the, the governor uh, didn't really fire back at Matt Brown. Listen, Matt Brown's got some baggage. He ran for Senate in 2006. He had to return some campaign donations because people thought he was money laundering, sending it to state committees in other states, and it would come back. He denied that. He sent back contributions to avoid appearances. And later, the FEC, by the way, cleared him. I read the decision in 2007. They found no wrongdoing. But the governor could have punched back at him. I, see, I, I suspect the governor just wanted to ride it out, get the night done, and get out. He did duck out in the end. Well, he didn't want to elevate him. So every time you go after one of your opponents, you elevate them. Like, they deserve to be on the stage, that they might be a contender. So that's why he didn't go after Brown. I thought Munoz, even though he's got very low poll numbers, mm. did a, a very strong job of attacking almost everybody, but also McKee, on policy grounds. Like, look, you're just not the guy you're telling everybody you are, and there's all these things that you could be doing. And he went after Nelly Gorbea a little bit, too, as well. And so I thought he was really a foil as well uh, as Matt Brown. So all this does, given their poll numbers today is give Nelly Gorbea or Helena folks a little bit more of a shot if it really does sift out uh, against McKee. I can't really call it. I mean, everybody asks me, who do you think? Who do you think? I, I, I don't know. When the top three, either of them could edge it out. Gorbea, McKee, I guess if you force me to put a placement, McKee, Gorbea, 
folks. But I don't know. It could go either way. Well, and the, the latest polls, I mean, there's just so many undecided voters as well. And, you know, the polls all taken before Labor Day and people always talk about how that people don't start paying attention yeah. to these races until after the summer is over. And that's a very short window uh, at this point. And, you know, I found it interesting. Munoz went after everybody. He went after Helena folks on her record at CVS and, yep. and the opioid issue there. You know, McKee didn't really go after anybody as, as far as I can recall. And then folks in Gorbea kind of went at each other a little bit again over the CVS record and then over Gorbea's plan to tax big corporations and what exactly means. So I think they were also trying to stake their ground as who's the best option against McKee. If, yeah, if I mean, I, I don't think people who, who, are, who say they're going to vote for McKee are leaving McKee. I think they know McKee. They said they were going to vote with McKee. Mm -hmm. They're staying with McKee. So McKee just has to build on that. And if you think about the outer ring suburbs, not Providence, but the outer ring suburbs, you think it's probably more contest between folks in some of those outer suburbs and Gorbea and other outer suburbs. And so they cancel each other out. So the question is, can one of them get more position? For undecideds, frequently if people are undecided, they sometimes don't vote. Mm -hmm. They just say, oh, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel you know, well enough informed. I'm not excited enough. So I'm either not going to vote for governor. I'm not going to vote at all. So half of those people will probably slough off. And the other half are, you know, likely to shift away from McKee because if you're undecided at this point, you usually don't go for the incumbent. So I, I was surprised. I thought um, in, you know, lots of debates, uh, Gorbea and folks spent more time going after each other. And I just don't know if that was the right strategy uh, rather than just aiming all of their, uh, their fire at McKee. Now, keep in mind, Rhode Island primaries, uh, it's an open primary. So anybody could register day of. And if you're a Democrat, you could vote Republican and vice versa. And then just remember to disaffiliate. Uh, that's always a little bit of a factor with a small turnout. Now, we've been mentioning Dr. Munoz. Uh, the problem for Dr. Munoz is people were saying, who was that Dr. Munoz? Which he doesn't have the money to advertise. He doesn't run ads. But he came alive during the debate. I think it was valuable for him to be included. The other station didn't include him. We did. Everybody's got different rules. This is Dr. Munoz. He went after Helena folks on the opioid scandal, which is something the governor has avoided. Let's play it. Gene, can we stop promoting CBS? Yeah. So it, it took cigarettes off the shelves and pushed pills on the streets. It took cigarettes off the shelves and pushed mm -hmm. pills on the streets. But on the opioid crisis, I want, I'm very glad this came up because there's so much false information. Under my watch, I did a tremendous amount to turn this around. I started as president in 2014, and for four years I led the retail business. Right. During that time period, we saw a 30% reduction in opioid prescribing under my watch. I'm not sure she was very glad it came up. Perhaps she would have been happier had it been avoided. Dr. Munoz said CVS was pushing opioids. Now, he's the only one who said CVS. The others are watching this play out, but you can't knock Helena without knocking CVS, and CVS is still your, your diamond as far as a corporation. It's tough, isn't it? It's very, very uh, tough, and it's probably why McKee just stayed away from it. I think she, I think folks responded more strongly in that debate than she has in previous uh, encounters on this question. But uh, what did she do? So okay, so it declined these. But what did she do? Because there was a lot of attention to opioids by the time we get to 2014. So she would have been better off saying, "I did this specifically," and then they went down. And I do think it's a little bit of a chink in her armor. But I agree that if you're the incumbent, or you might become the incumbent, you do not want to go after CBS Wholesale. It's tough. You can't knock CVS because you're going to be the governor. You've got to go up and, and, and hand out the awards with them. Well, and I also think, you know, bringing up the big corporate giant is part of, a, you know, it's the struggle within the Democratic Party. 
you've got the progressives who, you know, anti-big corporation. We're going to, you see it in the congressional race mm -hmm. as well. We're going to fight big corpor corporations, their big donations. And so you have the left and the progressives really kind of pushing that narrative. And then you have kind of your more establishment uh, people you're right, who want to promote business and we need to bring jobs to the state. And if Nellie Gorbea doesn't win this primary, I don't know what will happen. She's obviously very close contention. Her first ad saying she was going to raise taxes on corporations, uh, yeah. that could be one of the reasons people might have said, well, I'm not so sure if she's interested. If she wants to raise taxes on them, it's like the tolls also, right? If you're going to toll trucks, you're going to toll cars. Yeah. You're going to raise taxes on corporate, you're going to raise taxes on wealthier people. It, it, it opens up a door I, to attack on taxes. Who gave her the advice to say, I'm going to raise taxes? When it just opens the door to the question I mean, that folks brought up is like, wait, so where are you drawing the line? Is Cello's yeah. and Dell's Lemonade and now those there's big an ad. Cardi's? Are yes. those, and now there's an right. ad that those says big that corporations? very thing. Yeah. You're right. It was like literally the first line in her first ad. Yeah. Uh, and I think we talked about it the last time we were here as well, that that was an interesting strategy. But maybe, again, that plays more to the progressive base saying we need more money from big corporations and the rich and the wealthy to put our agenda through. Right. It's unclear whether the progressives are fired up in this race. I mean, that's the big question mark, is which wing of the party gets out. McKee has a stable base of people who, who might benefit for him for winning, and, and uh, Nelly Gorbea is an established politician. So who's fired up? And I'm not sure the progressives are as fired up uh, as they are maybe in other parts of the country. Let's be fair. Here's uh, Nelly Gorbea and Helena going after each other. Let's play that, and then you can go right to break. So we went on our website to look at what those looked like. Dells, Cellos, Twin Oaks, lots of small businesses would pay more taxes. What is the criteria for these small businesses? How many employees exactly look, are you, going you to... You two argued this in the last debate. Can we nail it down? As someone, she's no, saying that... She's absolutely incorrect in what she's saying. She's, she's misstating my plan. Discussing the upcoming primary. We just went uh, through the primary in Massachusetts. And what a distinct choice we have. Maura Healy, left of center Democrat, heavily favored to win. Uh, goes up against Jeff Deal, who is a Trump-backed Republican, and by the way, doesn't run away from Donald Trump. This is Republican Jeff Deal. Uh, he got the nominee nomination. We're going to run a campaign that is focused specifically on we the people, our freedoms, our rights, and our prosperity. This is a race for the future of the Commonwealth, and it's very clear the choice that we're going to have our campaign, which is focused on freedom and prosperity, and Maura Healy, who will put big government before individual freedom. It is very clear. Clear enough for Charlie Baker, by the way. Charlie Baker, the Republican, is not endorsing Jeff Deal, uh, the GOP nominee. Well, and I think the story here is what the Republican Party in Massachusetts is doing. You have the most popular governor in America, a moderate Republican, and he decides not to run again because he's not going to get the nomination of his own party because he's not a Trump fan. He criticizes Trump. He bows out. Uh, Maura Healey, would she have run if he was going to stay in? And so now you have somebody in Jeff Deal, who's in the last poll with 30 points behind, yeah. because you're bringing, I get it, the National Republican Party may want to go that way, but not, that doesn't seem to work in Massachusetts. They're, it's yeah. kind of like Rhode Island, where they like moderate Republicans a lot in the governor's office. Well, it's a certain kind of Republican, although they did put in a conservative Republican senator for a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think also Maura Healy's been around for a while. I mean, the other difference is that, and she was attorney general. So that's law and order. So it's very hard to, to depict her as a super liberal uh, progressive on law enforcement and law and order when she was the attorney general. So I think that it would have been a different campaign if somebody else had won that nomination and they could have gone after people on yeah. insecurity and crime. But she's not immune, but she's pretty, pretty well protected in that area. So it's hard just to even nail Maura Healy uh, and paint her as too liberal 
liberal for the state of Massachusetts. And a lot of her record as attorney general is fighting climate change in the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. And now you have the Trump endorsed candidate. Uh, Donald Trump did a tele-rally with Deal the night before the primary. So you're right. It's really quite a contrast. Although uh, Healy had an event on Friday in New Bedford. And when I brought up Deal and, and the criticism of the, you know, they're kind of calling her extreme liberal yeah. and, and whatnot, she really didn't want to go go in that direction again maybe it's not wanting to elevate your well, opponent you don't to want to elevate your opponent on. i mean and given the massive rainstorm we just had in terms of the difference in our weather and the dry you know the drought over the summer it's hard to, to walk away from climate change in this part of the country it's so vital to so many industries he has a heavy lift speaking of maura healy of note to us she came right down to the south coast to assure fall river new bedford and all the communities i'm not going to forget you because often they feel overlooked on the south coast she said oh no not under my watch let's play it the answer to that is more housing stock we've got to grow housing stock around this state and that's what we're prepared to do you know what we have been talking about is the need to grow economic opportunity here prosperity jobs support economic development she came down to the, well, it's not really a suburb, but she said, outside of Boston, we're not going to forget about you, and you're going to get that rail service, which some people still doubt that yeah, that's ever going to happen. Right, even though it's closer and closer. And that, that question there, I'd asked her about, you know, the concern is when you have someone who's labeled a, a yeah. more left of center or a liberal, are they going to tax and spend, especially Massachusetts, and, and drive up costs? And that's what I asked her about. And she said, no, we're going we're gonna to keep costs down, and the, and the way to do that is more affordable housing. Now let's stay in the same neighborhood. Uh, Sheriff Tom Hodgson is up for re-election and they like Tom Hodgson in Bristol County. They put him in time and time again. Uh, it's hammer time under him. We all know him. Tough talking law and order man takes nothing from the prisoners, makes their life miserable. So you've got a, a real contest shaping up. Do you want the hammer or do you want the more cerebral uh, administrator. He says, I'm a, I'm a smarter candidate. This is Mayor Paul Hero in Attleboro. Let's hear from both of them then we'll mix that up. What's really driving me in this race is the uh, desire to run a more modern jail system where uh, we can actually you know, make us a national model of evidence producing corrections. When we deal with people in here, inmates, the public, when we're out there responding to things or people in our task force are working in communities, we don't base whether or not we're going to work on that particular problem as to whether or not the people we're dealing with the Republicans, Democrats, Independents. Hero says, I'll probably wear a suit and tie. Hodgson favors, favors the uniform. And so far, the voters have favored him. Are they in the mood for change? I think it's a tough time to run on that particular platform. We've seen a bunch of incidents of, of violence and growing violence, obviously, in Providence and in Rhode Island and in uh, Massachusetts and around the country. And people are nervous about crime. They're nervous about, uh, you know, residual offenders, people getting out too soon, committing more crimes. It's just not a great environment to run on a reform platform right now. Well, and again, this is, to me is fascinating. You have Tom Hodgson, a ardent Trump supporter. Yep. When Trump was in office, he would seem like he was at the White House every couple Down of weeks. Down on the border, he, too. He was yeah. on Fox News all the time. Um, when, when, you know, he burst onto the scene in the 90s, I don't know if they called him chain gangs back then, but he had the work crews out. Yep. He took away with the gym equipment in the gym. They had a riot, uh, I think, in 2000. And he's led this law and order. He's wanted to move help or move into some of the cities when they've had trouble yep. with violence. And, and you're right. And he hasn't faced really a, a, a serious challenge in what, decades now. Yeah. And so I think th this is an interesting race where, again, does that kind of Trump brand of Republican play in a part of the country where it doesn't, but in a law and order job, maybe it does. Well, here I want you to know that he is not uh, easy on crime. He worked in corrections in two states. 
And he said, you know, I just have a different approach. I think there's a smarter way, and I want to deal with recidivism. I don't want them coming back. He faults Hodgson for not doing enough on that. Oh, Hodgson will tell you. I, I do just fine with that. Go ahead, take the well, last word. Well, I mean, word. I think that, that it also depends on how many people vote, vote straight Democratic ticket. So if people, if Healy's at the top of the ticket and people just say, I'm voting for the Democrats, that could lift Roe in, in uh, otherwise, uh, um, you know, not a competitive situation. But this year, given someone's at the top of the ticket and if turnout, you know, if it's a competitive race, which we don't think it'll be that competitive, mm -hmm. but nonetheless, you know, people sometimes just do, you know, top of the ticket and they just go Democrat or Republican down the line. Uh, it, two distinct choices in uh, Massachusetts. All right, let's get to the second congressional district race in Rhode Island. Look at a bunch of Democrats running in. They want to take on Alan Fung on the Republican side. I held a debate, uh, uh, again, about two weeks ago. We'll get to that in just a second. Does anybody have a favorite here? It's been Seth Magaziner all along. Have any of them caught up to him? I don't think so. I mean, at this point, uh, you know, I think that maybe uh, Morgenthau could have made a run, a different kind of campaign, perhaps. Uh, but he's so well known. And so I think people, when, especially even for undecideds, if you're, you know, if you're in there and you're voting, you either won't vote at all, but you'll vote for somebody who you know, who you generally probably like as a Democrat. And now I think strategically thinking, because Alan Fung will be so strong and competitive in that district, there is a strategic element to voters' uh, decisions. They're thinking, who really will be the best funded, best candidate against Fung? And I think at this point, uh, Magaziner has tried to make that case. That was a pretty tame debate, well, and as I opposed to the gubernatorial. Do th uh, do the rest of them know, it, maybe it's not in the cards this time, they don't want to be the party spoiler. They don't want to rip them apart. Well, maybe, and I was going to say about that debate, nobody really went at him. Joy Fox brought up him moving to the district and only yeah. renting and only recently, and that he jumped from the governor's race into the congressional race, that maybe that was an easier path. But on policy issues... Um, they, 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 there was not a great difference. Nobody went at each other like, oh, you're going to do this yeah. if you go to Washington. Well, I'm going to do that. It, you're right. It, they, they didn't attack each other. They didn't, I didn't really think anybody stood out in any kind of way. And when somebody's, as the poll showed, up that far, I, I would think that not much is going to change. If he's the guy, you want to take him down. Nobody did that. And I just suspect that they don't want to be branded as the party spoiler. You hurt him going up against Fung. It was pretty tame. There was a little skirmish over, you don't live in the district, Seth Magaziner. In fact, he's renting a home in the, in the district, which is, to me, that's an odd, that's an odd bit, bit of advice. Let's listen to this, uh, the, this uh, debate cut from the congressional district, second congressional district. I made a commitment and I keep my commitments. So, so for political just, opportunity so and for political gain. No, because it's the yeah, right so thing to do. Yeah, you were running for governor, and then this yeah. was the easier way to go. So mm. you decided to move over here yeah. where there was an easier path. No, I no. Look, I, I'm running for uh, for Congress because I want my son to grow up in a democracy. You didn't go to high school here. You didn't go to college here. You spent most of your adult life elsewhere. How, how do you square that? I spent it everywhere. And what I say is that that experience, working, serving, in my, uh, serving my country for two presidents, yeah. for Obama and for Biden, uh, working on homeland security, cybersecurity, domestic terrorism, travel and tourism. David Siegel, I don't see you that excited by this as an issue. <laughs> you didn't sound that uh, excited on the radio today. Not an issue for you? I, I think the biggest issue is whether or not people are engaged in their community mm -hmm. and understand the values of the community, the needs of their community. I don't know how the luxury like Sarah uh, to come here and uh, restore my home and use that to pretend she lives here. All right, so uh, Seth Magaziner doesn't own a home in the second district. He rented one. So he's here now living during the campaign. Sarah Morgenthau inherited her mother's home and has worked most of her life elsewhere. Omar Ba has lived 
in the second, moved out, and says, I now live again. And he was kind of going, he came alive at the end. We included him as well. He wasn't invited to the other debate. He came alive at the end, trying to make an issue for Morgenthau. But overall, that's about as nasty as it got. Not very, Wendy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's also a federal office. I mean, I think it's a small state. So living in the 2nd Congressional District versus the 1st, you know, in, in a bigger state where there's more distance, maybe that would matter a lot. But people, and he's been treasurer for the whole state uh, while he's been in office. So people know that he has worked on behalf of everybody in terms of the constituency. So I think that it just, it doesn't, it doesn't really undermine him the way that, let's say, Matt Brown going after McKee on ILO does. Uh, and, I, and I thought, well, you know, people make decisions all the time about politics. So I didn't know, I didn't quite understand the attack on jumping from the governor's race. And by saying, oh, you thought it would be easier, it just kind of discounts all the other challengers to Magaziner in the race. So I'm just not sure any of that was super effective. And they want somebody who can, at this point, the Democrats, who can beat or can try to beat Alan Fung. Right. And again, I just didn't, there just didn't seem to be enough of a policy difference or what I'm going to do totally different now, different styles. You know, David Siegel talks about, again, going after big corporations um, and what Sarah Morgenthau talked about. She kept going back. Again, I thought this was this has been an interesting strategy for her. The questions about her was like, are you a Rhode Islander? Because you yep. just moved here full time. And she keeps talking about her experience in Washington. And I don't know how that plays well, it, with the average Rhode Islander about that's what we want. Somebody who yeah. was working in the bureaucracy. I think it plays in their critics' hands. Well, you all your experiences in Washington. This is Rhode Island. However, she'll try to turn that around and say, well, you want to send me to Washington. Right. I know the lay of the land. I know which which doors to knock on because I've been in all these agencies. And her ads career. have been consistent. You know, her ads have been good and consistent in terms of that messaging. They're well, they're polished. There are no mistakes. It's not like the picture of a house that's not really your house. <laughs> She's, that, that has been a good part of her campaign. Um, you just sort of get the feeling if she had, if she had moved here a year ago, maybe, uh, or two years ago, or something like that, you know, really pounded yeah. the pavement for a long time. She could have mounted a stronger challenge to Magazine Earth. I'm not saying she's lost the election or anything, but I just think that it might be a little too late. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Our two districts are right next to each other. And uh, we eat lunch in the first district and have your car fixed in the second. And we go back and forth. But in a place like Connecticut, where you have one district uh, in eastern Connecticut, New London, uh, Stonington versus Greenwich, Connecticut. You could see the distinction mm -hmm. as opposed to here, but it's an issue. It's an easy. It's an eat low-hanging fruit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is, and also just being Rhode Island, I think there's a wariness of people who may be considered outsiders. Absolutely. Look, uh, it's it, yeah. Uh, However, if you're it's, new to Rhode Island, it takes a while to warm up. It, well, yeah, you know, it's funny because we are so welcoming in so many ways to immigrants and people who move from everywhere else. Yep. If you move here and you live here and you're in the community for a while. So I think that's the big, uh, you know, difference in terms of Rhode Islanders. They don't let people come just sort of swoop in and swoop out. But if you come from somewhere else, you'll get welcome. But it takes a while uh, to open up the door. So I think it's going to be an interesting. I'm, I'm looking ahead. We haven't talked about Ashley Kalis, obviously, well, Republican she's nominee. Waiting. I, I, yeah. And that could be an issue in, in the general election in the governor's race, yeah. too. Right, right. Uh, well, listen, both of them were written up in the New York Times article called them carpetbaggers. That's a, that's a but tough she, term. But so far, her ad, her, you know, I've seen one, at least one of her ads, very good ad. Uh, you know, she's uh, well spoken she's I don't yeah. I'm not writing her off I think if she can get the money she's gonna she's gonna mount a challenge you know hit it head on uh, yeah you're right I'm new uh, I see you haven't been doing too well with the old people <laughs> how about yeah, I speak Rhode Island we've got a hold of there Wendy Shirley Brown University you also come on my radio show every Tuesday we mixed it up twice this week there you go <laughs> Brian Crandall you'll be out and about on uh, this coming Tuesday for the Rhode Island primary that'll be a busy night that will be